It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. You're tuned into an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Bradley Sal coming up here shortly, as is Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Ole Miss football is on a bye week, but Ole Miss baseball, they roll on with fall ball. So Clem's going to come on. Give us an update. It's the perfect time for it. But me and Brad, we've got some bye week grays to hand out for each Ole Miss football position group. Only four games left. It's like handing out midterm grades. But before we jump into it, let me tell you briefly about my bookie. Ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all kinds of things. But in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and what team they should bet on. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. It's why I always tell people to visit my bookie. They've got the deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College football, check. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure you're covered every step of the way. Congrats if you were one of the ones to cash in on the generous early season odds on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today, and when you do, use my promo code, TOC, for Talk of Champions, TOC, to claim a deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code TOC, TOC for Talk of Champions for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. 
You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Mike Clement, good friend of the program, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Ole Miss football's on a bye week. Ole Miss baseball rolls on with fall ball, so why not? It's the perfect time to bring Clem back on. He's effectively a third co-host of this podcast at this point. So Clem's coming up in just a little bit on the Modern Women phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions on iTunes, and when you do... Leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? How are you spending your bye week? Not thinking about a lot of Ole Miss stuff right now, I'm assuming? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to gear my Saturday up for um, maybe a little golf, maybe something to do around the house. But, um, yeah, I wish it was some Ole Miss football, but I may get some stuff done on this Saturday. I know that this is a debate out there. And there are definitely sides that are dug in on the issue. But my kids really wanted it to happen, so the Christmas tree is already up. And you know what? I, I used, so I told my, my wife is the same way. And I told her we were riding on the golf course today. I said, you know what? Um, ben told me that he already got his Christmas tree up. She said, can we go to the storage now? I said, no. Like, oh. give me, give me, I, I just packed up all the Halloween decorations. Give me like at least a week to like, chill before i go dig in the storage again and get all the christmas stuff out so um, i'm sure mine will be up in about two weeks ours is up our kids are all into it but it is a very strange transition to go immediately from taking down halloween decorations to putting up christmas and it feels <laughs> like you're sliding thanksgiving thanksgiving is a great holiday and yet it's like it's only a precursor to christmas now especially for my kids. My kids are all about Christmas. I wouldn't do it otherwise, but our Christmas tree, it is up. It's got the little Disney World monorail circling the tree, gifts <laughs> under the tree. It's up. That's how I've spent my bye week so far because there's not a lot of Ole Miss stuff going on. Obviously, practice and the election on Tuesday, they were completely off on Tuesday. That was an NCAA mandate that no practices, kids allowed to go to the polls. But otherwise, in bye weeks, this is how it is. They practice for a couple of days. Then they take the rest of the week off or at least easy. And Ole Miss has started preparations for South Carolina, but that doesn't really start in earnest until Sunday. So what is a typical bye week like for a football player? Yeah, most, uh, every team does it different. We, we used to always say it was so important to win that game before your bye week because that way the coach may you know, either – cut down a practice or let you get an extra day off or whatever. So you never want to lose going into a bye week. So most of the time, I mean, most teams, you're right. They, um, they, they usually practice in full pads two or two or three of the days. And a lot of that is, um, you know, healing up some of your guys that, you know, were you know, good, good players. In the, and some of it is, Hey, let, let me let some of my young guys get some scrimmage. And, and maybe there's a young guy in there somewhere or somebody that you haven't had a chance to look at that well or get a lot of reps lately that kind of catches your eye and you say, hey, you know what, maybe I can get him in the game or 
or I can, or, you know, or, or I have something in the future with this kid. You can try some guys at different positions. So it's really kind of a fine tuned week. Let's get some guys healthy. Let's, um, let's get some other guys, some reps that, that have been negated some reps. So, and then when it gets close to the weekend, it's usually you get the weekend off and you get to go, um, you know, either visit some family or, or go check out your high school game back, back whenever you could go to the games. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a typical week. We're well past the halfway point now. There's six games done, four games left. South Carolina up next. Then you got to finish out Texas A&M, LSU, or Mississippi State on Thanksgiving, then LSU. It's still so strange to think of LSU as the last game of the season, but that's the way it goes. Playing into December this year, four games left. I thought since it's a bye week, there's no game to really look forward to. Clem coming up here shortly on the Modern Woodman phone line. Let's hand out some grades. So if you go position by position, I guess the obvious place to start is at quarterback, where this week Matt Corral earned a bunch of different national and conference awards, including SEC Player of the Week. He was the Walter Camp, I think, National Player of the Week. So through six games, four games left, the bye week here, how would you grade the Ole Miss quarterback so far? I'm gonna give him an A minus, and I think that um, that it's it's very awesome that he that he got an A here, just because um, you know judging off what I, what I thought Matt Crow would be coming into the season, and the only reason why I give him the minus is his interceptions kind of got ran up, and he had he had a two weeks there where he looked to um, not be able to really be able to handle zone defense, but other than that, for the most part, I think he's exceeded expectations by a mile. And the fact that he's even being talked about on some of these lists are, are absolutely mind blowing. And and other things we got him for another year or two. So um, yeah, I'm gonna give him an A minus. I'm very satisfied with him. That um, this next week will, will tell me a lot as well with him. He's done exactly what you needed him to do. If you're Ole Miss football, not just from a production standpoint, but taking hold of the job, keeping it with a stranglehold. There's been no debate. There's been no controversy whatsoever. Actually, when we've discussed the quarterbacks, it's been, why is John Rice Plumley playing? <laughs> Matt Corral is obviously the best fit for this offense, and that's what you needed him to do. You did not need to have a year where you were going back and forth or you were trying to determine who is the best quarterback moving forward. We know who the best quarterback is moving forward. We know who is the face of the program moving forward. That is Matt Corral. Next year will be all about Matt Corral. You say maybe a year or two left. They've got him for one more year. Because if you look at the start of this year, had he continued that pace, and he couldn't do it because of the six turnover interceptions. Let's stop saying turnover. Six interception game in the loss to Arkansas. Because of that, he couldn't continue the pace. But had he done that, had he continued that pace, there was going to be a real decision for him to make at the end of this year as a draft-eligible redshirt sophomore. But now I think both of us agree that Matt Corral would do well to come back and that he is going to come back. It only makes sense. And then John Rice would then, of course, transfer out. But that's fine. Whatever. That's speculation about John Rice. Matt Corral's done what you've needed him to do. And that's why I agree with you. I think an A- minus sounds about right. And the only reason he gets docked is because, my God, Arkansas game alone. That's going to knock you down a peg or two. Okay, let's look at the offensive that, line. Hold on, that, let me say one more thing. That, that Arkansas game may be a blessing in disguise, man. I mean, because if he continues at the pace he's at and he doesn't have that game, I, we may not get him back next year. You're right. So so in a year like this when it's, you know, no, really it's just a kind of a different kind of year, 
I'd like to have him back next year on a full slate with 12 games and a chance to try to make a run at it. So, yeah, that, that, that may actually save us and make it to keep him another year because of that. That's a good point. For those of you out there that say this year is a free shot, okay then. The Arkansas loss, crappy as it was, blessing in disguise, I can buy that. I can buy that because now Matt Corral, there's no debate. He should come back, and he's probably going to come back. I would be shocked if he left. On that pace, he's gone. His draft stock is going to be as high as it's ever going to be. He can only hurt himself if he comes back. But now you say you got room for improvement. And I think NFL scouts would say you got room for improvement. Okay, the offensive line, the position closest to your heart here, how have they done? The offensive line, I would say, you know what? I'm going to give them a, a solid B. And um, for and I still I think they ex- exceed expectation as well. Um, they, they play very hard and they, um, but, but I would like to see a little more in the run game. You know, I think that there's at times where, where, where we could run the ball a little more on top of, you know, give a, you know, it's a couple of games this year. We didn't really get the production that, that, that I think we needed to win. So, but, but, but overall, man, they play hard. It's a solid group. They're, they're not a weakness. They're, they're, they're a, um, they're, they're an asset for sure. Not much of a liability, but they, um, yeah, they are, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with them. They're going to get better too. They got, they got a lot of guys returning. If you include Kenny Yaboa with the offensive line instead of with the wide receivers, does that change your grade of the offensive line? Because he does as a tight end block a lot, and he's pretty good at it. Yeah, I, I think I, I view O line as the five guys, um, just because I mean the tight end's going to have their own grade in this offense. Yeah, I th- I th- I'm just viewing from from the five guys that are that are out there with their hand in the dirt um, most of the time. I think those dudes are um, they play very hard. The effort is there. They they get their job done for the most part, and because if they didn't, Matt Corral wouldn't have thrown for as many yards as he have has, and and our our you know our running backs w- wouldn't be quite successful. And there's a real chance that you return everybody but Royce Newman, and I think Royce Newman is going to be an NFL player. I think he is going to have a career a lot like yours. He reminds me a lot of what you did in the NFL. He might be an undrafted free agent, or he might be a late round pick. I think an undrafted free agent is what he's going to end up being. But he's a guy that plays because of his versatility. He can play guard. He can play right tackle. He can play left tackle in a pinch. That's the kind of guy that sticks in the NFL because of versatility and competency at all those positions. So if you return your entire offensive line except for him, that's really important moving forward because you went into this year thinking Ben Brown is good as he'd been his first two years. That's another guy that could potentially leave early. But now as he's transitioned to center, it's been a little bit of a difficult transition just from his snapping. His blocking's been fine. He's been the same dominant blocker that you're used to seeing in Ben Brown, but the snapping has been inconsistent. So that probably lends itself to him returning next year. But Royce Newman, do you see him like that as far as sticking in the NFL? Because I see an NFL prospect, an NFL tackle that lasts a pretty long time. Yeah, he he certainly has an NFL build. Um, you know, m- most NFL linemen for the most part are, are, are built pretty well, especially the tackles. Um, but yeah, I, he certainly is going to have a chance. It just, it's just going to all depend on, you know, what scheme he gets in. If, if they like him, if there's a coach there that, um, is willing to give him the opportunity to work with them, you know, it's all hit or miss, man, especially when, especially when you're a later round or undrafted guy. But, you know, assuming he gets the right opportunity, I, I think he's no worse than a P squad. He actually reminds me a little bit of Pierce Burton. Whenever he went here, it's the same kind of mm, deal. Like yep. he's going to go, he's going to go and stick for a minute. And how does he do? Does he get opportunity one, two? How does he do when he gets the opportunity? And, and sometimes an undrafted guy, you only get a small opportunity. Uh, and when you get it, you have to kind of separate yourself from from the other guys. And 
Um, it, it's all, it's, I mean, I, th- I think he certainly has the talent. He certainly has the, the athletic build to do it. The running backs. I, I'm going to give the running backs a solid A. I think they're the best. I think they're the best combination in the nation. I really do. I think that um, th- th- there may be guys that singly that are out there better than, than these two guys. But I think if you're looking around the nation, it, it would be hard pressed to find another team that has a better duo than we have. Um, you know, just, just, just cause they, they both complement each other so well um, that they, they play, you know, one, they both play pretty hard. So it's um, yeah, I, I love our duo. They, they get an A and, and I'm not giving every grade of uh, the honor roll here. I just promise you ask the better groups first. So that's why, the, that's why they, they get the better grade. What do you think is more likely or the most likely of these three options? Ole Miss loses both running backs to the draft next year, one guy to the draft next year, or neither guy to the draft next year. You know what? I, I don't think it would benefit either guy to try to go to the draft next year. I think I think these guys are going to play their whole career at Ole Miss. Um, I don't think either one of them are the type of dude that's going to really go get drafted high. I think that they're both, um, if they were to enter the draft, they would be later guys. And, and the running back market now, it's it's very tough in the NFL, man. I mean, they – they have really undervalued the running back position um, just because there's been so many late to uh, late round guys come in and just do really well. They kind of interchange this position and, and it's mainly cause it's a passing league. Now, you know, wide receivers are much more of a premium than running backs. I don't know that either guys, yeah, like a super high draft pick. So I think it would actually benefit them to play, play their whole career. I think what's going to be most interesting with Darion next year is not necessarily whether or not he's going to leave for the NFL draft is if he's played well enough in baseball to leave. Because if you're going to be a high MLB draft pick, you leave after your junior year. The best draft picks leave after their junior year. Gunner's going to be gone after this year. So is uh, Doug Nikhazy. Your third year in a program in baseball, it's time to go if you're a stud, if you're an MLB draft pick. So if Jerrion could get on the field this year, become a regular, like I'm going to talk about with Clem here shortly, if he becomes a regular and can show he can play every single day, that's what the choice will be. Because I think he's very much like a Cam Akers. But I don't know mm-hmm. if Jerrion has shown enough. I've come kind of come around like you have. And you've always been this way. But I've kind of come around to your line of thinking about Jerrion. Talented as he is, he's still got some things he has to do better in order to become an NFL running back. And NFL running backs, they shuffle in and out. It's the position you're not supposed to pay. The Cowboys... What's held down the Cowboys was paying Zeke. Tony Pollard could be equally, if not better, and more effective than Zeke, but they paid Zeke. You don't pay that position in the NFL because Jerry on Ely's, no. they come around all over the draft. You can get them in any round in the draft, any number of guys. David Johnson was a fifth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look across the board. Alvin Kamara. I mean, there there's dudes that are that are playing that are you know later picks. So um, I'll be interested to see how Ely does in baseball. And I, and I think that the the problem with that is. That you know, if if he's you know wants a future in baseball, football could be holding him back. I know that's not gonna be properly said, but uh, um, you know, vice versa. You know, when you're playing both, you're putting time into both, um, equal time into both. You're 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 gonna be slacking in in, in each of them. You know, so um, yeah. I mean, it'd, it'd be interesting to see. I'll, I'd be excited to see him on the baseball field and, and how he looks. And if if he looks really good, you know, he has a big year. I, I mean, I could I would be a little worried, uh, you know, football wise. The Ole Miss pass catchers, and I say pass catchers because not just wide receivers, but Kenny Yabo at the tight end, it's skewed a little bit because Elijah Moore has been so good, but we have to consider all of them together, the collection. What do you grade them out? 
you know what I'm, I'm going to give them a C plus, And this was my group. That was great. The lowest. And, um, you know, I think that Elijah Moore and Kenny, you know, the, if we're going to throw them there with wide receivers, it certainly helps them. But, um, I mean, yeah, but aside from those two guys, we don't have anyone else that, that has really stepped up. We don't have a real number two. We have, you know, more, and we have Yeboah that get all the looks, but I really consider Yeboah in the tight end group. Um, and then after that, there's, if you took, if Elijah Moore's hurt one week, I, I would be interested to see what it looked like out there. Cause, um, usually when that, when there's a, a long pass or a play that needs to be made, it's all on more. And, um, when you're at a wide receiver group with a team that runs, you know, four wides, whatever, there's just really not a whole lot of other, other, you know, players that show up. So that, that, that groups need some serious help here in the future. In the last four games, is there one or a couple of wide receivers you'd really like to see take a step and show you some encouraging signs as they head into the offseason, maybe a bowl game, spring practices, a guy that needs to take ownership of maybe I'm the next guy, the next man up in that room? I think it's Mingo, and I think it has nothing to do with talent with him. I think he's very talented, as we see in the K- Kentucky game. I want to see mentality and body language pick up with him. I want to see a little bit of dog in him. I want to see a little bit more sense of urgency, so to speak, because I feel like there's times where he's a little bit checked out, and that's when he's missing these balls or, or whatever. But uh, I mean, I don't know this person. I don't know the kid at all. But you know, I just know from what I see from afar, it looks like there's times when he's in, and there's times when he's not, which is common for a younger younger player. I mean, I've seen it multiple times. But I want to see that next dog. We always knew, you know, the years past, we had a couple dudes who were like, "Hey, these guys are dogs. They show a lot of mentality." They're all fighting for the ball. You know, they, I, I feel like this kid's kind of hit or miss at times. The same thing with Drummond. I want to see a, a kid step up and, and be like, you know, give Ole Miss fans some comfort and, hey, I'm, I'm the next guy. I'm, I'm that dog. Flipping over to the defense, the defensive line. This was the position coming into the year we were all thinking was going to be far and away, either side of the ball, the weakest link. They were terrible, terrible through the first three games. They've been not good, not in any way good, but kind of fine the last couple of games. Um, now are we going to include Sam Williams and, and Ryder Anderson? And I think Bob we kind of have to because Ryder's a defensive okay. end or a defensive tackle. But Sam, he lines up at that buck position, so you can include him with the linebackers. Here we're going to include him with the, as a defensive end just to maybe help the grade out. Although I think the D-line in general has is, is played to like a, a D you know, throughout the year, but maybe Sam, Sam and Ryder lately have kind of have, have upped them to just a solid um, C minus. Um, the, the That's interior. about as best a case as you could have asked for from this group. I'm trying yeah. to be fair. No doubt. The, 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 the interior is still not where it needs to be. It's, it's well below a C minus, but I think that, that Sam and, and Ryder out there on the edge really gives them a little bit, you kind of got to respect them in the past game. I mean, that they can get to the quarterback, and it's um, yeah, they they they've they've definitely improved going forward, and it's mainly because Sam got kind of got his feet under him, and and Ryder kind of got moved to the outside when they were you know done sticking him inside. So that certainly helped. Ryder going to defensive end, and Hal Northern, of all guys, Hal Northern, a complete lost season last year. This is a JUCO transfer. You know this. You've been a part of many football teams. You do not recruit junior college players and sign them to sit. You're bringing them in at a position of need to start. Pierce Burton, you brought him up. He was a key sign for Hugh Freeze. 
he stepped in and started immediately. And how Northern barely played at all. And now he's become, it's arguable, it's debatable, but the most consistent defensive tackle for Ole Miss week in and week out. So if you're talking about unsung heroes, and it's hard to say that Ole Miss is still 2-4. and four. Still 2-4. and four. They might not win another game. They might win the rest of their games. This team, you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. But if we're talking about unsung heroes, how Northern has to be in there. That kid has actually stepped up. He's not been good. Again, nobody's been good on that defensive line. Ryder Anderson, I take that back. He's been pretty good. Sam Williams has been Sam Williams the last couple of weeks. The first few weeks, because he missed all of the preseason, he wasn't very good. But those two guys, they're going to be NFL players. They're looking the part. Not to say that they're draft picks this year. Not to say that they're necessarily even gone. Because they get another year, the NCAA has granted all of these kids across college football an extra year of eligibility. So maybe Ole Miss gets back both of these kids. And it might be um, to the benefit of both of them and their draft stock, their professional futures, if they do return. They have started to look the part. But that meant that somebody, anybody, had to step up and at least hold their own and be not terrible, not egregiously bad. And how Northern has been a body, a guy that'll get in the way. And sometimes he's gotten into the backfield. So he's been an unsung hero, a surprise to me as far as I didn't know that they could ever get anything out of him. And he started to give them something. He's provided a little bit of value. And that's all you really needed was a little bit, just a little bit of something from somebody in the interior. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, I, I look for us to really address that position going forward, especially with um, you know recruiting and transfers. And then hopefully some of the guys in there will, will continue to get better. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, Make sure you're staying safe, and that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Stay safe. Enjoy some football. And make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. That's a really good point. And today, as we're recording this on a Wednesday, we talked to Lane Kiffin again. And in a bye week, this is when you ask your questions about recruiting and all that kind of stuff. And he made a really good point that it kind of is what it is, that they can't really do much of anything. There has been no lift on the moratorium for visits or how they usually operate recruiting-wise. This is going to be the year that sites like ours, this is going to be the year where we start to evaluate recruiting very differently. It's not just going to be about the team recruiting rankings. Who did you sign in the fall? Who did you sign um, in the spring? 
the two recruiting periods. It's not going to just be about your signing class because once that one year free transfer, penalty free, when it goes into effect in January, it's going to be free agency. And Kiffin brought that up. He called it effectively free agency. And he said that because of how this recruiting cycle has gone with COVID and all the restrictions and the inability to get prospects on campus and the disadvantage that has been for first-year staffs like Kiffin's, they're probably going to hold a few scholarships. They're going to be short of their 25 number. They want to leave open enough spots to go attack the new free agency market. So if you're looking at the defensive line, I would not be shocked if they add three or four transfers. And somebody asked me actually today when I went up to the courthouse, big old miss guy, he wants to talk all about Lane Kiffin and everything. I really believe he's going to sign double-digit transfers. And I think at least six of them will be on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I can certainly see that. And, and, you know, the cool thing about the transfers, even though it sucks sometimes when it's somebody on your team leaving, is it allows you to address needs very fast compared to, you know, having to rely on freshmen coming in and JUCO guys. So now you can go out there and, um, you know, you can go out, you can address a need. I mean, imagine this, you know, you, you mess around and land three D linemen that are decent, you know, transfers and the guys behind them get right. better. You're turning around. And you're deep. You're all of a sudden. You're, you're, you got a nice deep D line, and and it used to not be like that. I mean, used to you got you know even if you're getting a five star D tackle, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come in and and be you know immediately dominant. It's going to take him maybe a year, sometimes two. So um, it doesn't fix your problem immediately. But I think that um, with these transfers, maybe it's a guy who's a, who's already been through his redshirt year. He's already gotten better. He's got a little experience. You can really fix a need faster, which is which is cool. You know, it, it helps it helps the competitive advantage in football. It helps everybody get the opportunity to, um, to you know, go on and do what they want to do. It changes the game for a program like Ole Miss that's rebuilding. And Ole Miss has already expedited the process because it's found its quarterback with Matt Corral. And you've seen the offensive line step up with new starters. I mean, you haven't really worried about the offensive line. Like Jeremy James is a first-year starter, and he's been really good. Caleb Bourne, he's been really steady, really good. Nick Broker's been exactly what you needed him to be at left tackle. Um, you've had guys step up at wide receiver. We want to see more, like you said, about Jonathan Mingo, but the running backs have been everything you wanted them to be. So the offense is ahead of schedule. Defensively, you're starting to see them slowly come around. They're not good. I'm not saying they're good, but they're coming around to where you see what DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge are trying to do because the players are starting to look functional. Now with this, with this one-year penalty-free transfer and being able to go address those needs, that expedites the process exponentially, fast-tracks the process. Otis Reese should be cleared. It's ridiculous that he's not. And Ole Miss basketball got a good report on Robert Allen. Keith Carter on this podcast said last week that they were appealing um, the original NCAA decision for Robert Allen that was he was denied. He wasn't going to get to play. But now the NCAA almost won the appeal. He's going to be eligible. And that's a big deal for Ole Miss basketball. Why do we still not know anything about Otis Reese? Your guess is as good as mine. I've asked everyone, Keith Carter on this podcast, on, off the record. It doesn't matter. I've asked about Otis Reese. No one has an answer. No one has a good answer. Yeah, at, at this point on Otis, man, I feel like there's more to this story. It's I do just, too. I mean, th- th- there's there's no reason. I mean, if it is what it is, I mean, he should be cleared. So there's got to be something more to the story on that one. I mean, that's, that, that one's mind-blowing. If they're just literally holding him out without a little bit of substance to the story, um, I would be shocked. There's got to be something more. Obviously, they don't want to disclose it. Nobody wants to say it. So, um, yeah, that's that, that, that leaves a lot to be desired in my book. 
there's either something more or the NCAA is doing it out of spite for some reason. And here's the thing with Otis Reese. I wouldn't be shocked, and this is purely my speculation. I haven't heard this, but I know how players are, and I've seen this happen to players before, where they get in fights with the NCAA. Laramie Tunsil almost left because of his fight with the NCAA. He said, screw it. I'm going and preparing for the NFL. Ole Miss had to recruit him back. He had left town. I wouldn't be shocked if Otis Reese just said, screw it. I'm going and preparing for the NFL. Now, he doesn't have a long track record. Probably ain't going to get drafted. But it wouldn't surprise me if he made that decision. And I wouldn't blame him. You get frustrated. You get tired of the process. Say, you know what? Whatever. I'll sign with somebody. I'll show out well enough in an Ole Miss Pro Day, in a showcase of some kind. Some team's going to like me enough. And he leaves. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But I think that that's a possibility because I know how players react. But I bring up Otis Reese because him and Tavius Robinson and Dean Leonard, that was just a little taste of what Lane Kiffin wants to do. You're going to see that, that offseason of transfers on steroids when he gets the opportunity. And remember, Ole Miss should have had two more, Fabian Lovett and Jerry and Jones. Ole Miss screwed that up. That was just a little taste. Ole Miss is going to be one of the absolute most aggressive teams in the transfer market because that's what Lane Kiffin wants to be. That's the approach he wants to take, the recruiting approach, because he sees it like you and I see it, like the Ole Miss fan, the casual fan sees it. It's a fast track to a quicker turnaround. Otis Reese, Lane Kiffin has said this over and over. He would be a starter and one of the very best players on the team if he was eligible. He's going to go find six Otis Reese's, if he can, for that defense. And a couple of them, at least, on the defensive line. Moving on, linebacker. Um, for me, I'll give them a – it's going to be hard to give the, the defense anything more – anybody on the defense anything more than a – I'm going to give them just a, a – probably a C-plus. Um, it's it's hard to, to grade linebackers good when you give up as many rushing yards as, as we gave up um, – versus Kentucky and and you know throughout throughout the year we, we've been rushed on pretty easily so um yeah that that, that position I, th- I think that it's it's coming along now I think um you know they're getting better but um yeah the, the early on it was it was pretty bad this is the only position on defense that I'm a little bit sympathetic towards because I think they would be so much better with players of equal talent in front of them. Now, Ryder Anderson and Sam Williams have helped this. Al Northern being competent has helped this. So I would be about a B- minus with the linebackers, but I think that they would probably be a B or a B-plus if the talent around them was equal to their own talent. I think Lakia Henry's a good player. I think Momo is a good player. I think Jacquez Jones is a good player. I think Ashanti Seastrunk is a sneaky, pretty damn good player. So I think the linebacker group gets dinged because of the talent around it. It's hard to give any group on defense a passing or positive grade. But if you're going to give one a better grade, it would be the linebackers, but you get dinged because of the rest of the defense. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate. I mean, it, you got to think. They were, they were ranked dead last in the nation. I mean, that's, it's just hard to grade that um, you know, fairly. And you're right. A good D lineman would certainly help these guys. I think these guys have talent; um, they really do. But I think that um, the D line could certainly help, and yeah, that, that those those always run hand in hand. A defense has to, you know, they, they, every every position group helps each other out. The DBs, 
You know what? I actually think the DBs are a lot like the linebackers, like we were just talking about. I think they would actually be serviceable if we mm. could get could get a little more get a little more pressure. But what I, I like what's going on over there, man. You got you got battle. You got you got night. You got all kinds of people playing hard and trying to you know cement themselves a position in the future here. And um, I think it, it you know at time obviously we look bad versus Alabama, we look bad versus um, Florida, but. There's some dudes out there competing in the secondary. There really are. So, um, you know, you look at A.J. Finley. He had a pretty good game. Uh, I think it was last game or, or, or here recently. So, yeah, I mean, I think that position is one of those positions that could end up being a strength um, in the future for us. So I'm going to give them throughout the year, I'm, I'm going to go with a C plus. You're giving them a better grade than I would, but I'm with you as far as I'm starting to be a little sneakily optimistic about that group. And it's all about Miles Battle. I guess I'm all about that, man. I think I'm on that train, you know, because he looks the part. Maybe I'm buying too much stock. But if you're making me buy stock in a player or two defensively, who's going to be a super stud? Miles Battle's a guy I'm buying stock in right now because I think his his stock is on the right. I think he's got a real shot. I really do. I think he looks the part of a cornerback. And the willingness of that kid to flip over and try it, to swallow his pride, to understand that, you can have a future there. Give that kid a lot of credit. Many others wouldn't do it. John Haynes has kind of let me down since he's become a starter again. He doesn't look like the same aggressive player he did when he came in and set the world on fire in his first start. I think there's a lot of room for improvement with the secondary, but there are a few guys and some encouraging signs. Like A.J. Finley. A.J. Finley's gotten beat a lot, but he's getting around the ball pretty regularly. He's always there, and he's at least trying to make plays on the ball punching at the ball, trying to get interceptions. You give me effort and you give me a guy that knows where he's supposed to be and he's around the ball, I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you points for effort. So I'd probably give him a C minus or a C, but there are some encouraging signs that this group this time next year will be talking about one of the most improved groups. Keydron Smith hasn't taken that step I hoped he would have taken. I thought Keydron Smith, for this defensive secondary to be good, needed to be an all-league caliber player, and he hasn't been. Yeah. What what, what year is, is Knight, Tyler Knight? Is he a sophomore? Junior. He's a junior. Okay, so he's he's a little bit older. I was hoping he was younger, but this year that didn't count so, um, for him. So he got two more years. He reminds me a little bit of Marche, the way he like kind of flies around and, and gives really good effort. I think he's a guy that will just keep over there and give him like a little role, maybe a blitzing role. Uh, um, you know, just kind of a kind of a, a little bit of a, a hybrid type role. I think he he can you know he's got enough speed to really make some plays, and he showed up at times. I like I actually like watching his effort, I and mean, even though he's a little undersized, but um, he's just a competitive guy. We need a lot of guys with that same mentality. I'll take his mentality all day. Just he has to be on a snap count. The size you got to hide it a little bit, but he gives effort. You can't coach that. It's such a cliche. And I know that immediately when I said that, you're probably on the other side of the line just rolling your eyes like crazy. But you can't coach effort, man. And if you get a kid like that with a defense that was looking uninspired, but he's flying around, he's giving a shit, there's some points for that. You give him some points for that. No, and you're you're right. That's a terrible, terrible, I mean, cliche or whatever, but that's true, man. Like, half of football is is want to and give a shit. So – I mean, if, if you're out there and you want to give effort, you play your hardest. I promise you that can carry you, that can carry you to a to a long career. So, um, yeah, the, the the effort guys are, are always the the some of the some of the toughest guys to deal with. AJ Finley, that's an effort guy. Miles Battle, he's become an effort guy. Tyler Knight, effort guy. I tell you, who's another effort guy right now? 
Lakia Henry. I think them taking him out of the starting lineup for a couple of games, if anybody else noticed this, I think that lit a fire under that kid. And he's starting to make some real plays. He's blitzing a lot now, too. I like yeah, what they're that, doing with them. That whole defense needs to be effort, guys. I mean, they're, they're, those guys are fighting for their for their their career because here here's here's the reality of it. You know, we are the, we are ranked last, dead last in the nation in defense. Do you think these coaches aren't looking around the nation trying to find replacements? So those dudes are either going to get better or they're going to be standing there watching. So that that's the reality of football. And um, you know, I, I think what you got going on right now is a bunch of guys trying to play really hard to make sure that that when when guys do come in, they're not the one that falls out the lineup. Special teams. Oh my god, our our punter is very good. Awesome, so Mac Brown's not... great. Awesome punter, one of the very best punters in the SEC. So okay, so saying if that, gonna it, if you're gonna put a, a F with an A, we'll give him a C. We'll give him a C just because how good uh, Brown is. I mean, he's he's a really good punter, and the long snapper's pretty consistent too. I'll give some love to the long snapper. Um, but yeah, I mean. Kicker, uh, I feel like our, our our kicker right now is kicking on Friday nights, and um, our punter is, is uh, very good. So poor Luke Logan, man, what a great dude! I, I hate it for the kid, but yeah, it's just it's not working. But he's the best of what they got. I agree with you. I think their kicker is right now kicking on Friday nights. So wait to see who that is. Maybe it's the kid that they have committed right now in the class. You haven't really seen much in the punt return game because they haven't forced enough punts. So we don't even know. Yeah, that well, the, the the whole dynamic of the kick return, punt return game is like died in college football. You got dudes, you know, they're fair catching obviously on the five yard line and stuff, and you know they're giving them the ball, which which is a great rule. It's 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 a rule that that you know promotes a little bit of safety. But it was always cool. I mean, think about it if if you're an Ole Miss fan right now, how did you feel when that ball was in the air and Marsha yeah. Green was under under it with some room? Yeah. Look out! It was about to be it was about to be a highlight show. That's kind of dead and and. In, in college football now if you notice there's not really a whole lot of punt returns even happening uh, i think coaches just are saying hey fair catch it whatever but man i sure miss those days man there was nothing better than seeing Marche with about 15 yards of room because you knew that um he was about to house call it it was like that with jalen jones too as a kick returner and then he got hurt remember that game against texas tech to open the year return the kick for a touchdown jalen jones he was like that and it sucks. Mm-hmm. And then he had another season-ending injury this year. I hate it for that kid because he's an NFL player or was an NFL player. We don't know what he's going to be if he's back next year. Uh, that sucks for that kid. But, yeah, that's it. That's bye week grades. Do we want to grade the coaching staff overall? How would you grade the coaching staff right now? Um, I would say, honestly, I would say that, I mean, offense, I'm giving them just that. I'm, I'm giving the offense. Been seriously an A. They really, they really deserve an A. Just, just duly, just off the simple fact they didn't have a lot of time to prepare. One, they didn't have spring, and they came in. And I mean, our, our offense has, has gotten kind of some recognition around the nation. I mean, they, for the most part, uh, I'm, I'm very satisfied with them. Defense is hard because they're so shorthanded talent-wise over there. So you, um, you know, you got, I mean, <laughs> they flunk. But here's the thing: they, they'll. they'll their grade will they'll get a better grade when they get the, the talent and the guys they recruit in there. Then we'll be able to judge them. But I think right now they're doing what they can with what they got. I'm giving the staff a very solid B plus. I think that's a very fair grade. Had you beaten Arkansas or Auburn, just one of the two, I'm probably giving you an A. 
I agree. I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. I think, I think everybody should be very optimistic. Yes. The staff has came in on a short notice, you know, a crazy virus going on and they, they have, they have absolutely exceeded expectations. And just think if this isn't a, if this isn't an sec schedule, Ole Miss is going to a bowl game this year. If, I mean, they're, they're a seven, they're a six, seven, one team. They really are. So, and, and then in that case, everybody's freaking out ecstatic saying, Hey, you know, Dane Lane Kiffin was able to come in and go to a bowl game his first year. Um, it's much like Freeze's first year. It really is. Everybody's kind of really excited. So, um, keep that in mind when thinking about the staff. I mean, they, 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 they came in on short notice and here's 10 sec games and not to mention, we're going to add Florida for your first one as, as, as your new sec team. So yeah, that, that's not easy to do. And they, they've handled it well. And at least Ole Miss has been very competitive, which is, which is all you can ask for at the moment. And we're going to bind you by your hands and your legs onto a chair in regards to recruiting. Good luck. First year Ole Miss staff. They've done a, a bang up job. The record could be better but they've done a bang-up job. That was bi-week grades. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. That's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Eight-year NFL vet about to go to the Modern Woodman phone line. Before we do, we've got to say bye to Brad. See you, buddy. Howdy, toddy, Ben. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Ole Miss hitting coach, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, Mike Clement. But first, let's hear from B&A Bank and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. Celebrate! Ole Miss football, it's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered, and no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with the delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like, simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork, review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at alansamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distanced, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line, this is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Joining me, it's Mike Clement. 
Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, a good friend of the program. At this point, kind of a co-host of this podcast. Hey, man, what's up? How are you, man? It's, I'm good. Uh, it's good to be with you. It's November, and it's as we as we tape this thing, it's going to be 70 degrees today, and we're still uh, still in fall baseball, so uh, everything's good. It's been a kind of different fall ball season. You'll have to take the two-week break because of the COVID stuff. So for the Ole Miss fan that hasn't been as plugged into fall ball as they might otherwise have been in previous years, what's yeah. the overall general facts or news that they need to know, that they need to be paying attention to? One, I think we're good. Um, <laughs> and, and I think everybody kind of expects that. Um, but then I've, I've, been, I've been excited. I've been excited about what our team is, some of the leadership components, obviously – we knew we were going to be, we knew we were going to be pretty good when you only lose two guys and we're off to a great start last year. But um, man, I feel I feel really good about our club. Uh, just kind of overarching, I think it's, you know, in my six years here, I think it's the deepest we've been on the mound um, in any of those six years. And uh, you know, when you can, we've talked about this before, but when you can start your team with the Friday and Saturday Saturday guys coming back and Sunday for that matter, but you know, the Friday and Saturday guy have a lot of a lot of skin on the wall from from an SEC standpoint. And, you know, just been around the block, nothing's going to surprise them. When you can start there, man, it's uh, you can you can build around that pretty quickly. When you look around, as far as the newcomers who've impressed, we know Jacob Gonzalez has been one of those guys. Adcock, Kemp Alderman, who all has really impressed so far, and who do you think could factor in once the spring does roll around? Well, the first thing that you said is uh is the it, that's the right order um i think everyone else i think all three of us from a coaching standpoint would agree with this but um gonzalez is the guy that that has been most impressive of, of, the, of the new guys um he leads us in hitting this fall hitting over 400 um just on base i think he can play in the middle of the field meaning meaning shortstop and um man and I would hate to put too much on, on an individual guy, but I, I think he's got a chance to be a superstar at some point um, here. And, and uh, he's just not completely overwhelmed. Now um, I know you've interviewed him and he is a very quiet kid. Um, so for the fans, uh, you may not get a whole lot of words out of him, but uh, the good thing in him is, is he plays baseball that way too. And what I mean is kind of the, slow heartbeat, um, not too excited, which is important in our game. Um, I guess, I guess the guy we compared him to that way is Greg Kessinger, just never overwhelmed, um, type player, but he's been phenomenal from, from day one. Um, he's been, been really, really good. Cody Adcock is another name you mentioned, you know, a six foot four right-handed pitcher, freshman, um, from Texarkana, Arkansas, um, he's been really good. His stuff is as advertised and um, has had a really good fall and, and not, not been overwhelmed either. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a completely different personality than, than Jake, but um, Adcock has been really, really good on the mound. And, um, you know, a, a couple other guys that I, that I think have a shot and have had, had pretty decent falls. Um, TJ McCants has done, done a really nice job. Um, this fall hasn't, uh, there, there's a little bit of him and you and I have talked about this in the past. Like the guy has the tools that maybe isn't ready to completely play the game and help us win games at this level. Um, there was a little bit of me that thought he was that 
physically he's still got a little ways to go, but but uh, he can play the game for for sure, um, and has done a nice job. Um, a, cu- a couple more guys on the mound. Josh Mallett, he's just gotten better every time out. He's throwing strikes. It's it's good quality stuff. Played at Tampa Jesuit, which is one of the best high school teams in the state of Florida. So um, you know he's not completely overwhelmed. Uh, either and it has done a really good job. He just keeps getting better. Um, Brandon Johnson is a junior college transfer um, with a big arm. Um, he, he's been a little more uneven on the mound, you know, some good outings, some bad, but the stuff is really, really good. He fits in to some role somewhere, and uh, and I think just just makes our our staff that much that much deeper. When you think about the veteran guys that are returning that you need to step up, like a Kevin Graham, for example, how have they performed? Mm-hmm. What have you seen from them? Yeah. And what have been like the areas of, of emphasis for a guy like Kevin Graham? Yeah, we'll, we'll start there. So Graham, um, and I told him this, so I don't, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think he would listen to this and be disappointed I would say this. Um, after year one, where he's a freshman All-American, now we have a really good lineup, and we're able to hit him down in the whatever it was seven hole, and he hit double-digit home runs. Um, I was really disappointed with his fall a year ago. I was really disappointed with the start of his season. He kind of felt the same role as he did the year prior, and I expected him to step up and kind of hit in the middle of our order. And he was almost that platoon, hit the right-handed pitcher um, guy, just like he was as a freshman. Uh, last year in the COVID year and um, just told him that like, man, really disappointed that he didn't take a step forward. And he has done that um, this fall um, outside of Gonzalez. He's been our, our, our second best hitter overall. He's really used the whole field um, and it's power to all fields. Uh, he's hit left-handed pitching um, really well this fall. Um, every, he, I'm sure, He's sick and tired of seeing the Casey because every time we enter squad, I make sure he's on the other team. Um, but he is, he has stepped up um, to the, to the challenge a little bit uh, and, and has been really good. Elko continues to come and we, and we talk about him and I don't even know if he fills in the, 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 the role of the question that you asked, but, but he's, he's been really, really good. He leads us to home runs this fall. I think he's, he's hit five and Grant has hit five. Too, so those, those guys are tied and, um, has been good. Justin Finch coming back from injury has played for a couple weeks now. Um, and has been really good. He's kind of an on-base machine, um, which is, which is big for us. Cause we're going to have some guys that maybe swing and miss a little bit. They're going to hit the ball out of the yard. And so he becomes an important piece, um, in filling that role and, and has, and has been good. Um, I think those are the guys off the top of my head, especially offensively. Uh, I guess the other guy that probably fits that mold is Hayden Leatherwood, who's off to a great start last year. Um, I think he's just taken a little step forward from an approach standpoint. Um, but another guy that, you know, it's, it's real left-handed power um, and potentially really stretches out our lineup with, with, some, with some real threat. Going to get right back to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach in this edition of Talk of Champions, after I tell you about Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, who sponsors the Modern Woodman phone line. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. 
For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. You got some young power arms now. Not that you didn't have power arms, but guys that got a lot of high velocity now be it in the bullpen or if they're starting midweek guys because you know what your starting rotation is on the weekend which of those guys or how many of those guys um do you foresee having roles and have so far acclimated themselves well yeah i think that's the challenge for laugh and for mike um from a pitching standpoint is there's there's a handful of those guys who i think if you ask them right now um are in the mix it's just hard to know exactly like, like you just said, it's hard to know what their role exactly is because um, you know, there's, there's such a veteran presence with, with what we are on the mound. Um, so you take away those three, those three weekend slots, assuming they stay the same. And you're talking about Adcock, you're talking about mallets and then, you know, Brandon Johnson, which we talked about all three of those guys um, to get into the mix with a bunch of veteran relievers. Um, you know, there's the, there's the midweek, slot two, which could turn into a fourth weekend slot, depending on how the season plays out um, and what the schedule looks like. But you're talking about trying to find innings for them with guys like Broadway and Chofi, um, Austin Miller, Wes Burton, you know, names that Braden Forsyth names that uh, our fans already know. And then now you're talking about trying to fit Adcock and Malice. And, and then some returners, Drew McDaniel has taken a step forward. Jackson Kimbrell has t- taken a step forward. So all of those guys, I think, are pushing for innings. Um, but as you know, like when it comes down to crunch time, I mean, we use eight to ten guys, uh, you know, when, 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 it's, when it's time to win games. And so uh, and it, they have a challenge on their hands talking about last and Mike as far as tearing that thing down to who, who are the actual eight to ten. 10, maybe 11 guys that are going to get real significant innings. Justin Bench, Derek Diamond, the injured guys, how are they coming along? Yeah, Bench Bench is fully released. So um, he has been playing defense for maybe three weeks, um, and he just started hitting off of live pitching last weekend. He got 20 plate appearances uh, over a four-day span, Thursday through Sunday this last week. Um, and so he's, he's full go bench is full go. Now diamond, I think would like to, if you asked him, I think he would like to be full go. Um, but, but I think we're just taking it slow with him, um, uh, because we kind of know what we got with him, but in, in the pits, I think he's been up to 92 miles an hour. It's, it's, uh, it's old diamond. So if you ask coach B, I think more, more so than anything with diamond, it's just, Hey, we, we kind of know what we got. Uh, I don't need him to go out and try to prove himself. And so we're going to take this thing slow. Uh, and he, if he's not a hundred percent, he's, he's really close to it uh, with what, what the reports are from his bullpens. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do want to put you on the spot. If the season <laughs> started today, what would be the starting infield and outfield for Ole Miss baseball? According to Mike Clement. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Important for fans to know because Ben's gonna write some sort of article or put together a tweet that's gonna that's gonna say what what the starting infield and outfield is. For all the fans out there, I don't have the magic sharpie. So I coach the hitters and I coach the infielders. 
So all the position players are probably under going to watch. But this uh, is a podcast. We're just having fun on here. We're just having fun on here. Is all we're doing. Um, I think it looks something like this, and, and there are a couple, and I'm being completely honest, not trying to hold anything back. There are a couple positions that are definitely up for grabs. And as we always talk about, um, you know, if you've got a couple football players, um, they could come over and, and upset, upset the apple cart, but I'm going to, for the sake of the sake of the argument, I'm going to leave them out for now. Uh, let's base it off of what we've seen in fall ball. Um, I think if we started tomorrow, Oh, let's let's go. Kale Baker at first base. Um, I think Ben Van Cleef, who's had a really really good fall, uh, slides into maybe a DH DH role. Um, Shania at second base, um, although he he is uh, competing to win the shortstop job. Um, and this is where it gets tough on the left side because there's some moving parts. Uh, I would say Jacob Gonzalez is is for sure in our lineup. Um, and, and in an important part of our lineup, um, where he plays defensively uh, is a is a little more question, and that's the same with Elko. Um, so Elko has played predominantly third base this fall, uh, and depending on where those guys go, uh, they're both in the lineup. But depending on where they where they go, it kind of it kind of changes uh, other things. So the other option at shortstop or options. Uh, would be Justin Bench. So Bench kind of fits into that same uh, definition as I put Gonzalez and Elko. I think he's in the lineup somewhere. He's one of the nine hitters. Uh, it just depends. Is he playing shortstop? Is he playing center field? Um, or, or, you know, where does he fit? Uh, I think if we start tomorrow, the other two guys that are in the lineup are Leatherwood and Kevin Graham. Um, so that, that kind of get oh, Dunhurst behind the plate. Um, that, I mean, that was uh, kind of duh. We, we were all kind of assuming that one, man. Right. I think that guy's the best catcher in the country. Yeah. So, yeah. um, that's, uh, he's in there. That's, that's probably the one I can say with the most assurance. Um, uh, so that kind of, I, 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 I little, a little bit dance around your question. Um, but I also, I think I gave names and, and people can decipher from there, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question, especially with people not being able to sit in the stands and watch us play in the fall. Um, uh, you know, there's some other guys that are definitely in the mix, uh, but right now, um, that's at least a half-paint picture for the for the fans. It's interesting when you think about projecting forward because you you have to account for matchups in the way Coach B writes out lineups. So mm-hmm. if you're just saying okay, facing a righty, well, Kevin Graham will be in there, but against a lefty, he struggled for the most part over his yep. career. He might not be in there to start the year he might improve and get some opportunities so it's easy to just blanketly put these lineups out there but you and i you better than me obviously know that um it, it's going to be a mix like peyton chatney good as he was he started 15 of 17 games he didn't start all 17 yep. games yeah and i think that's that's probably um if if there's any apprehension as far as uh me as an offensive coach goes with, with where our group is, there's a lot of it bats back from a year ago, but it's just the weird season that we're in of life. There are not very many sec at bats in our position player group. Now there's a lot of sec innings on our, on our pitching staff with Doug and Gunner and Miller and Broadway, those guys, but we don't have that many guys um, 
that have seen a pitch in Southeastern Conference play when you start going up and down from a lineup standpoint. Elko has been a platoon player in the SEC, and same with Graham. Uh, and those are our two most veteran um, hitters. And then after that, I mean, Finch got a few, um, but it gets sparse um, as, as you as you go out from there. Now, um, I guess that makes me a little bit nervous, but but as far as um, the success guys had, and, and that, that's a huge advantage of us playing a really tough early schedule last year as it, as it played out, uh, being able to play Louisville, going to that East Carolina tournament. That ended up being really, really valuable for us because we played a really good schedule, and I think we kind of know what we got with some of those some of those uh, players that were new a year ago as opposed to playing a really soft schedule. Then I think it would be a huge question mark. But the SEC is still the SEC, and, and a lot of our position players haven't been through those battles yet. Promising, though, is it not that Tim Elko had a good year? It was only 17 games, but he carried it over into summer yep. ball, and he's still doing it. I mean, the power has stayed. It's continued. He's carried that over to now three separate type of seasons, even with long layoffs. So does that tell you that maybe yeah. this is the Tim Elko that's here to stay? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm confident in that. Um, and, it's, and it's for the reasons that you just kind of spelled out. Um, you know, he's been, done it in three different environments. Um, and, and we've seen bits and pieces of it, obviously, in his time here. But he has just put it together, you know, like you said, the 17 games that we played a year ago. He's the guy that his numbers kind of get lost in the shuffle because everybody, you know, saw the All-American type numbers that Keenan and Servideo put up um, and got her. Uh, and then, you know, you look at Elko's line, and it's like, dang, wow, he, he really did put together a, a good 17-game stretch. And then he went up and had a ton of at-bats and was – uh, on the all league team in the Northwoods league and was kind of the leader of a championship team up there. Um, and has come back and hasn't missed a beat. So yes, um, I, I'm, I'm confident that he fits into the middle of the order. Um, he's going to hit the ball out of the yard and he's ready to be good. And we've talked about this a ton in the past. Um, for some guys, it just takes time. You know, the Henry Lartigues of the world, um, that, you know, it just t- takes a little bit longer. And then there's other guys like Keenan who can step in and do it. And, um, you know, better late than never. And I think Elko kind of fits into that, into that, into that mold where he's comfortable in his own skin. And, um, you know, he's, he's seen a lot. And so I don't think he's overwhelmed by anything that he sees. Are there any other candidates like that? That could be the next Tim Elko, Henry Lartigue that so far haven't gotten necessarily what you thought you were going to get but could take that step? Um, that's a tough one because um, just because from a, from a position player standpoint, like it's just, they're all kind of similar. You know, right. we don't have a ton of guys who, who, who have quote unquote failed, um, who, who haven't been very good. Like most of those guys, we, we have question marks about only because we didn't play a full season. They were off to great starts. Um, but, I, I guess Graham fits into that a little bit, but it's, but it's hard to even say him because he mm-hmm. had he had success as a freshman. He had ten home runs, just wasn't off to a great start last. It's just year. about hitting lefties um, for him, right? That's right. That's right. Can he be an everyday guy? You know, can 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 he hit lefties and good lefties? You know, can can if we play Louisville to open up and Reed Detmers was, you know, on on the mound again? Like, can we put him in the lineup? We didn't feel like we could a year ago, um, and had the platoon. You know, the hope is that he can play every day against lefties left-handed pitching for sure that's that's the big question one of the last things i let us get this far but you knew it was coming 
Have Jerry on and John Rice been over there at all this fall? Yeah, the 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 huge thank you that we have uh, indirectly to to Coach Kiffin and the and the football staff is that they're practicing in the mornings now, and so those guys actually have been over here more uh, this fall than they have in previous falls, only because or last fall I guess was their own year, um, just because they're, they're they're they have morning practices, we have afternoon practices, and they're not. They're not involved in our practices unless it's just, hey, they hop in the, the BP or whatever, um, as long as it's not an off day for football. All of, you know, obviously following all of the compliance rules um, that are laid out for us. And, uh, but yeah, they, they've been over quite a bit. They're, they're able to come over and watch some inner squad. So um, probably even more so. It was a little more, we had to structure it out a little more a year ago um, just because they're practicing at the same time as we are. Um, but now they're able to bounce over here. Um, if not daily, um, semi daily, you know, like three, three times a week, even if they're just sitting in the dugout, hanging out, which, which goes a long way. As far as Jerry on goes, what do you need to see from him? Because he's a guy, I, I'm not trying to in any way dismiss John Rice, but Jerry on yep. being the higher ranked guy, he got more time to be an everyday player. What does he need to do? I think um, I think for him it comes down to he he is really refined in in a lot of areas. I think the easy thing to say uh, with Jerrion is is that oh man because he doesn't because he doesn't play baseball full time he's just a raw player. I think that's the easy way out um, and an uneducated thing to say uh, if you're just throwing that that blanket over the top of him because he is really good defender. Like he could play center field tomorrow um he gets good routes he can really throw um and he can really steal bases i think he was like six for seven last year and he hit 180 you know like in, in somewhat limited at best he has a really good field to run the bases he has really good field to play a defense i think for him uh and for him to be an everyday guy or a key contributor or get regular at bats it's just an approach standpoint so i think when people talk about he's a quote raw baseball player or whatever. They're mostly talking about the swing and they're mostly talking about the approach of the bats, as opposed to those other parts of the game where I think he's actually really, really good and kind of advanced um, from a playing standpoint. Uh, I think it's just more about getting up to speed with seeing velocity and seeing good breaking balls. Um, again, I'm sure the football guys would say the same thing, but if he were an everyday, like if he were here all the time, um, and the sky is the limit for him. And so uh, I think he'll be better this year than he was than he was a year ago. He'll be more ready to play. Um, it's just a matter of getting over here in January and seeing live pitching, which he hasn't seen since March 12th uh, or whatever it was, uh, and being able to get up to speed with it. That's why fall ball is so important for, for our everyday guys, you know, for our baseball-only guys, um, just to see pitching. Um, I'd love to say it's great coaching and – you know, if they need that in the <laughs> yeah. fall. Um, but that's just not the case. Like, they need to see live pitching, and, and, and he's no different. So, and neither is JR. I'm not trying to create a story, I promise. But we've said this from the get-go. These dual sport guys, Jerrion, John Rice, sophomore year, especially if you're Jerrion and you know you got an NFL future and you could be making a decision next year about leaving school and going to the NFL, is this the year then, whether or not – they're going to be baseball players moving forward or it'll be big in determining that, I guess. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, I think you'd have to ask them more. Uh, and, and the reason it's easy for me to say I'm not sure or you'd have to ask them, um, and this is just the, the facts of it, is they're on football scholarships. So, like, we're going to take right. them for as long as they'll be here because they are good players and they count as walk-ons on the baseball program. Uh, it's the most beautiful thing ever for us. Um, and so, um, but like the, the facts of it and, and actually what they're on the field, that's probably not a stretch to say. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, at some point and who knows when it is, you know, who knows if Ely turns into Bo Jackson and is, <laughs> you know, going to be an all-star in two sports. Um, Deion which, Sanders. You know, just, yeah. Just like you and me. It, and unfortunately it happened for us at a much younger age. Right. At some point you're not enough to continue to play both of them. For me, yes. it happened probably should have happened in middle school, but I just fought through it and it happened in high school. Or you learn uh, like I, me that you're not good enough to play any of them anymore. <laughs> oh man. But the hard thing as a coach and especially in the position we're in with, with them being football guys and being on football money, like the beauty of it is I, we don't have to make that decision. We're going to take them over here because they're awesome kids um, and unbelievable teammates. We're going to take them over here as long as they want to be here. He's Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. You got it, man. Always enjoy it. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.